Hello, my friends, and thanks so much for joining us here for this episode of the Carolina Ultra Runners podcast. My guest today is Noah Moore. He is a legend in the low country. He's a great runner himself. He's also a widely known race director. Uh, he's the race director for Peyton's Wild and Wacky 10x5K, the Charleston Itty Bitty 50, and the Charleston 100. We're going to talk about all three of those races today, uh, with the primary focus being the Charleston 100 since it just wrapped up a few weeks ago. Noah, thanks so much for joining me. You got it, Patrick. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Um, just kind of want to get started by hearing your story of how you got into running in the first place. Oh, wow. You're going way back. <laughs> um, let's see. So I guess about, you know, I was in the army. I was, I would, I played football. I did a lot of, you know, athletic stuff. And, um, but after college, I went to university of Kentucky and, um, after college, I just kind of stopped working out, not doing as much as I used to, but, um, I still enjoyed eating. And, um, and it showed, I, I ballooned up to a little over 300 pounds and, um, I'm only five foot six. So I was, um, I was a big dude. And, um, around 2003, my, um, my little boy Peyton was born. And, um, a couple of years after that, I realized I couldn't keep up with him. I, not, I mean, he was like two and I couldn't keep up with him. And, um, I started working out. I did this MUSC uh, Medical University had this boot camp run by Marines from the Citadel. And um, I got into it, changed my eating habits, dropped uh, about 150 or so pounds. And um, in the middle of it, I, I started walking and then um, and then I started running and um, I I can still go back to this. Uh, I was running around Hampton Park, and this has a little bit to do with the Charleston 100. So I was running around the Hampton Park, and I remember this morning that I was finally able to run one mile without stopping. And I come around the corner, and there's three Marines sitting there. You know, they're just kind of watching us as we go. And I'm like, I did it. I, I ran a mile. And they're all like, oh, good job. Good job, more, you know, and nothing too big. But they were, you know, it was a good attaboy. And then I just stopped, threw up everywhere. And all of a sudden they were like, yeah, you know, and they just come running over there. They're like, that's how you do it. And they just are going crazy. And I was like, oh, my God, this is insane. And, and I just I, I totally remember that. That's why I put Hampton Park into the Charleston 100. And um from that point on, I'm, I'm a little competitive. Um, I wanted to keep going and I started running five K's and, um, and I had some good times, um, realized that the younger guys could, um, run faster than me at the shorter distance. And, uh, so I kept going, um, got into where I wanted to do a couple of marathons. I, I did those and, um, and then signed up for this, uh, crazy 12 hour ultra that was right there at Hampton park again. And, uh, this guy, Alex Morton put it on and he's like an old time legend around here. He used to put this 
race on called the Kesse, and um, he would give awards out that were just basically junk that he found on his runs, and he would glue them to a piece of wood and and and, and put your name on it. And the the um, entry fee to get into the race was like nineteen cents, and the um, <laughs> you it was you know you just ran around this park for a one mile park for twelve hours on July fourth in Charleston, and um, you know the first year I did it, I it was my first ultra, I was over fifty some miles, and you know, and it was just amazing, and um, and he used to keep it under nineteen people in this race because he didn't want it being um, um, he didn't want it to get out and he didn't want more people to show up. It was just crazy stuff. And anyway, so I, I started, you know, I, from that point on, it was just more and more I've done hundreds and, you know, I've done plenty of fifties. I ran the grand Canyon, did the rim to rim to rim. Um, and then uh, 2017, I, um, I did Vol State, and that's a 314 miles across Tennessee. And um, oddly enough, Alex Morton was running that He was in the race that I was in that year, and um, which just brought it back full circle. Um, so that's that's how I got into running, and that's and I've been going ever since. And you're a heck of a runner too. Um, you look, you know, looking through your ultra sign up, um, some pretty impressive hundred mile times there, some pretty impressive um, lengths there, some very long distances in there. You had a 72 hour race where you went like 130. So you've kind of experienced it all in the ultra world. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been really lucky in that I've I've been able to go do some pretty cool stuff and races all over. And um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I have a a wife that knows that I'm crazy and is okay with it. She's got a crazy streak too. So, and, uh, and she's done ultras too. And, um, so she's, she's been really cool with letting me go and doing these adventures. And then how did you get into race directing? Oh man. So I have a, a long history of, um, talking people into doing stupid things. <laughs> and uh, I, I've, I've helped all kinds of people make bad decisions. So, and, and I, and I take great pride in that. And uh, so I used to put on just these events and, you know, when Facebook came around, it made it even easier. And I would put on an event. I would say, we're going to run six hours around the track this day. And people would just show up, you know, for nothing. You know, we didn't charge anything. We just, we just did it. And um, and I would always try to pick some holiday that would just mess up, mess up somebody's, you know, holiday. And so it was July Fourth was a lot. Um, we would do track work. We would do track um, races, like twelve hour events around the track on July Fourth. And um, you know, it it, it just became something I like to do. Um, the first real race I ever put on was Peyton's wild and wacky. Um, and you know, that has a story and it's in itself. And that is, you know, that race is in memory of, um, our son Peyton. And, um, 
Peyton was wild and wacky. He loved all the crazy stuff that we did. And um, we lost him in 2013. He passed away in, in his sleep. He was this awesome little nine-year-old stud. He ran, he helped coach, he threw javelin, he threw shot put. I mean, he was just such a cool kid. He was a straight-A student. He, he just was a really good kid. And um, the running community just came out and supported us when Peyton died. And, um, and we can get into that, but um, when, um, when that happened, you know, people just say, oh, I guess you're going to put on a race. And that's the last thing, honestly, that a, a parent that just lost their child wants to do is put on a race. It was just that the running community was such a big part of our life, um, mine and Jen's, that um, we knew we had to do something if we were going to honor our boy. And um, I couldn't just put on a 5K because most of my friends – run ultras, um, or do stupid things. So I wanted something that they could do, but also Peyton had all these little buddies that were still in school. They were in elementary school and middle school, and we wanted them to be able to do something. So we came up with this 10 by 5k format where it's a 50 K, but people are doing a 5k every hour on the hour. And then we threw in a 5k by itself in the middle. And then we threw in relay teams and, um, you know, we, we started that in 2015 and it has sold out every single year. And we've raised over $150,000 for Peyton school, for the track team. And going back to those Marines I was talking about, um, we've always supported the Semper Fi fund and, the Marine, the local Marines out of the Citadel. And um, so we, we um, donate a huge amount to them too. And um, to show our support and to in memory of Peyton. And, you know, I can tell um, it's been what more than 10 years, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, yes. and even, even though it's been that length of time, I can tell everything you do is still with Peyton at the front of your mind. You know, you're always wearing the hat um, run for P and you know you're constantly um just promoting the fund and there's other um aspects of Peyton's life that kind of make their way into the other races that you direct as well so I can tell that it's definitely you know still all this time later obviously very close to your heart yeah it'll you know we we move through life um we don't get over anything um and my wife and I we you know we we do everything that we can to live the life that we would have that we think that he would have expected us to live. Um, you know, we, we have another son, um, that was born, uh, almost two years after Peyton died and his name's miles. And, um, he's a huge part of our races and what we do. And, um, you know, he has his own personality. He has his own take on all these races. He's very proud to be Peyton's brother, but he's also, he's miles. And <laughs> Miles has his own, you know, things that he does for the race. He draws the picture that is the finisher medal for the itty bitty 50. And, um, and he's, he's pretty proud of it. 
Um, he's updated it a couple of times, you know, right at the last minute, which is not easy for me, but I, you know, that's his thing. So, um, but the run for P it's in our, yeah, it's on our hats. You can't take a selfie without seeing run for P. Um, it's in the belt buckle and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's everywhere that we, that we have it. Um, let's hear a little bit more about the other races you direct, um, starting with the itty bitty 50. Okay. So great name, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so that came out, you know, we, we've been doing the Charleston hundred since 2018 and every year, even the very first one, it was, I can't do a hundred, but I would do a 50 and I'm like, I don't want to do a 50 and, uh, and I, and I would just, you know, it would be over and over to the point where it was funny that people would ask me to, to put on a 50 and I would laugh at them. And, um, and I, and I thought, okay, if I ever really do this, it's going to be either the Charleston 100 half or something like that. And then it was just one day I was thinking about it and I was like, oh my God, the Charleston itty bitty 50. That's perfect. And, um, and then I took the logo from the Charleston hundred and I, I literally took a picture of it, put an X on the hundred, sent it to our friends at, um, Boco gear. They do our hats. And, um, I was like, can you just make this with an X like it's X'd out and a fifties put on there? And they just died laughing. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And they, and they, so they had a big old time. So that's the itty bitty 50. And all it is, it is the exact route of the hundred. It's just the turnaround point coming back to the finish. And so logistically for the runners, um, it's tough because they have this very secluded area that they have to turn that. You know, it's the end of the West Ashley Greenway. And uh, there's a tiny little parking lot there. And all these people show up and they have to leave their, either leave their car or have somebody drop them off. And because they've got to get to the finish line and then either get a ride back <laughs> to the start or have their car waiting for them. So it's, people have figured out ways to have their car waiting for them, but not everybody. Um, lots of Uber show up at the, uh, finish line of our, our events. And, um, so that was the, but that's the itty bitty 50 and, um, it's a, it's a fun, it, it really is fun. I mean, a 50 is fun. I know that sounds so strange, but you can finish a 50 in daylight. Um, you can go home after a 50 the same day. And, um, so it it's enjoyable, but <clears throat> we weren't going to have a buckle. And I was like, you know, people just want something to walk away with saying they did this. And um, so I just handed Miles, who was six at the time, I handed him a piece of paper and I was like, draw, draw this um, a finishers. What would your finisher medal be for this? So he draws these um, little stick figures going over the bridge. And I mean, it was, it is, it is just the best. And, you know, there's some clouds and stuff like that. And um, it just turned out really cool. So 
I scanned it, turned it into a picture and made it into a um, refrigerator magnet. <laughs> And, and people love them. And I get pictures all the time of people with them sitting on their mat, on their uh, refrigerators. So last year, the second year of it, um, he drew, uh, he had drawn a picture. I was ready to go have them printed. And he's like, daddy, I just checked the mat, the weather. I got to update the picture. I'm like, what? He's like, you know, I'm like, are you kidding All right. So he comes and he draws these clouds with lightning strikes and these these runners that look terrified running over the bridge. But then they're into the nice weather on the other side and there's shark fins in the water. And um, people just ate that up and they loved them. And, um, you know, and he hands them to every single finisher and. Um, And that's a really cool thing, you know, to have our son, Miles, who gets to do something like that. He thinks it's the coolest thing in the world. He thinks it's normal, which is, you know, funny. <laughs> And, you know, I think the award thing, it's it's one of those things, I think, that kind of separates ultra running from running, you know, a 5K or a marathon, you know, where everyone gets the same kind of standard issued metal that are, you know, that's, that's like at, at any race, you you know, you can't really tell the difference, you know, it's just like a, it's a circle that's on the end of a thing you wear around your neck, but you know, something unique like this and the fact that he hands it to the finishers also, that's just the kind of thing that I think, um, is like I said, a great example of the difference between ultra running and, you know, maybe road running, marathon running, whatever you want to call it. Um, and also just, I think it is a prime example of why you've gained such a great following in the low country for your races. Well, I think, you know, people want to, people want to challenge themselves, but they want to do it in a way that, you know, that they, they're, they're gaining a community while they're doing it and they're having fun. You know, we are, we make fun of each other. constantly um in the facebook group it's nonstop. i mean the memes that people have made of me or you know or and the things that we just say and it, it's just so funny without being mean you know nobody's mean-spirited in that group um i've never had to ban somebody or anything um people are just so cool about it but they know they're just part of this community of suffering you know <laughs> And I think that just makes people want to do it and be part of it. And I, you know, I wanted to stick with the old ultra stuff. Like it just was, it was about suffering together, going across, not about, you know, spending, you know, a thousand bucks to run a race. It was it was just about doing something incredible and doing it with a group of people instead of just by yourself. Yeah. And the community is is incredible. Um, like you mentioned, the Facebook group, the banter in there is just absolutely world class. I <laughs> highly recommend anybody to join that group. You don't have to be a runner of the Charleston 100. I've never run the race, but I'm in the group. I just love seeing, you know, everything that goes on in there. I hope to one day run the race, but the banter yes. in there is just, it's world class. And um, it just really is, you know, a prime example of how awesome the community is there. Um, 
I want to talk about um, this year's race. Um, would love to yeah. hear just, you know, from your race director perspective, some of the big takeaways of what happened. We had um, course record with Chris Varnado's yeah. finish. Um, some other really impressive performances. Um, would love to hear just kind of your thoughts of the 2023 Charleston 100. Yeah. So we had, I mean, course records were broken and um, Chris Varnado, he's just an amazing runner. And he had the record before with, you know, a little over 17 hours. And, um, you know, he had emailed me not long ago and said, you know, hey, I'm not going to do the 50, the itty bitty 50. I'm going to concentrate on the 100. And I was like, oh, damn. Okay, let's see what happens. And, um, you know, he popped up and I could just see he was ready for this thing. And, you know, you have to understand if you don't know much about the Charleston 100, you have to understand that it's, you know, there's no aid stations. There's no course markings. Um, you have to figure it out. Um, you got to get you got to be at the start you figure out how to get around the islands downtown charleston hampton park the awful greenway and then come back and do it again and um it is it's brutal and it's all on cement i mean concrete sidewalks and bridges so it's not you know a soft race at all it's not hilly um, in fact, I think most people would like a few more hills <laughs> thrown in just to break it up. But Chris came, he was behind, he was doing his race. And it was um, uh, Carson Archie, Chris Varnado, and Anthony um, Rungard. Um, and they were all within a mile of each other. And it was, you know, this was coming back after the turnaround. So it was tight and um, it got over to Sullivan's Island. Um, Carson had some feet issues, um, ended up, he had dropped back quite a ways and then ended up dropping at 90 just to save his feet. Um, he could have finished. Um, he's a strong kid. And, um, and Anthony had been ahead of Chris and Chris just turned it on. And, um, and we're all watching this from our check-ins because everybody's got to check in every six hours. And then we've got spotters on the course just to kind of tell us where people are so that we're at the finish line to meet them. And, um, but Chris really turned it on and finished in 1529. I mean, that is, that's a great time on this course. Um, to figure out where you are and stay on it. Um, you know, it, it is, that's, that's tough. And then Anthony came in like um, 11 minutes behind him. And uh, so just, a, just a great finish and um, really cool. And, um, you know, Chris is a buddy and um, love that he, you know, wanted to put it all on the line you know, at the Charleston hundred, it was, it was pretty cool. And, um, and then Christina Cooper, um, you know, she's amazing. She's local. She's from Charleston uh, or she lives in Charleston and she is amazing. She, um, she had won overall, uh, the Charleston itty bitty 50 
you know, at the beginning of the uh, beginning of the month. And then that was her very first 50. And she did it in like seven and a half hours. Um, she turns around and crushes the record for um, females on the Charleston 100 with a 17, little over 17 hour um, 100 and gets her first buckle. I mean, <laughs> who does that? That is just, that is just sick. And um, so it was cool. It was fun to watch. And then everybody in between, there were, you know, we have local legends. You know, we have people that have done this. So Karen Jackson and Bo Millwood, um, they are, you know, local. They are legends of like Vol State. Yep. And um, they've they've been doing this forever. And they are six-time finishers and they are along with um did you see uh, i don't know if you saw a post uh, about charlotte who had um just finished uh her was on good morning america for all her costumes um charlotte's like this local legend not local i mean she is world known for all these costumes she puts on and she finished her sixth um, hundred with our sixth Charleston 100. So they're the three, um, only the three people that have ever done all six of them. And um, that goes back to the very first one. That was the craziest race we've ever had. And it was mostly on highway 17 and it was a point to point from the Edisto river to the Santee River. And so Charleston County lines. And that's how I had originally done it myself. And then that's how we put it on the first time. But um, all of them have finished six times. And then there's people, you know, there's so many stories. You know, Jen and I meet every single finisher. And we meet them at Peyton's Rock. There's a rock at the track named after him. The track is named after Peyton. And um, we meet every single finisher and we spend some time with them. Um, it's just a cool thing that we get to do. We get to hear their stories. We get to hear, you know, why they're there. And, um, and then we get to thank them for being part of, you know, our journey, you know, cause all this is ours. I mean, we get to be in their journey, but they're in ours. You know, every time somebody finishes that, um, the Charleston hundred or the Charleston any bitty 50 and they touch the rock, um, Peyton's rock, that's, you know, they're, they're always going to be part of our story. And, um, so we love that and we love being there for them. Yeah, it's amazing. And there's so many amazing stories really at any hundred miler, um, you know, but talking about this one for sure. Um, it's just amazing to see. Um, there was a lot to unpack there that you kind of mentioned about this year's race. Um, first, just kind of starting with, um, you know, that race with Chris and Anthony. It's been really fun to kind of watch from afar those two kind of go at it. This isn't the first time that they've raced each other before. Um, two yeah. fantastic runners. Anthony is from my neck of the woods in uh, the Myrtle Beach area. And, you know, watching those two just kind of go at it is really just incredible. Just the speed that those guys can maintain for as long as they can is just 
amazing. And I imagine from your perspective, it must have been um, the nail biter, uh, quite a nail biter watching them come down to the wire, really. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, who, what hundred finishes like that. I just, I love it. Um, I thought it was just amazing. And yeah, we were watching it the whole time and just, you know, just going, damn, who's in first now? Where are they now? You know, so it was, it was fun. And then Christina really just kind of putting her stamp on the, the Carolina ultra scene here, you know, this last month, just with the itty bitty 50, just blazing fast time. I remember seeing it, you know, after, uh, after the race and I was like, who is this? Wow. Um, a name to watch out for, for sure. And I mean, you know, you, I, I assume you would agree with this just if, if, you know, um, another year maybe with, you know, different runners and she could have easily won Charleston 100 overall outright for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, the Charleston 100 has been won with a, you know, um, Becca Joyner did a, had a great time and she did it in 19 hours and won overall twice, you know? So it it's amazing that, you know, had it not been, you know, and, and it really was, there was nobody else, um, you know, close to them, you know, they were, you know, Christina could have won that had it not been for Chris and Anthony fighting it out. Um, she could have won both the 50 and the hundred, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Wouldn't put it past her for future years as well. Yeah. I wouldn't either. Do you see Charleston as a potential sub 15 hour course at some point in the future? Yeah, I I always thought somebody could do it around the time that um, Chris did. I, I I could feel that you know just watching it, seeing where other people were. Um, I always I always thought that somebody that knew the course um, had a good crew could get them through that fast. Um, I'll throw out a name and I'll put them on the spot, but Jacob Moss. Mm. Um, who actually helped Chris paste him a little bit on this. Um, I still believe that if he put his mind to it and came out there, he would, he could do it. He could do sub 15. Um, I actually think Chris could do it sub 15 um, because, you know, I, I just listening to him after, I mean, I think he did amazing, but I, I think he could have even done it faster, which is so stupid. I mean, <laughs> Who does that? And uh, so, yeah, I, I think there's a chance for a sub 15. It's going to be tough, though. It'll, it'll take it'll take a special um, effort and uh, and not getting lost because you could put extra miles on easily. Um, and um, it, it's it's not hard to add on to this to the uh, mileage. How important do you think it is to run this race? Um, with a crew versus without a crew? Because I know the ones who don't really have a crew will just kind of hop into gas stations and, you know, that's their aid station. Yeah. They make it work, um, you know, but others, you know, I look at Chris as a prime example, you know, his um, his wife and daughter um, are a fantastic crew that are always there to help him out. Um, what, what are your thoughts on running this race crewed versus screwed? When we, when I started thinking about putting this on and inviting other people. So the first time I ever did this was me. 
um, just, you know, me and some of my friends who just kind of had met me at different places. Um, it was 2013 and, um, I was trying to get through Christmas, the holidays. It was, um, the year Peyton had died and, um, you know, I just wanted to go in a hole and, um, I, all of a sudden I've got all these days off at Christmas time and my wife was working and she was really worried about me. Um, you know, what was going to happen with me being by myself and, you know, we were in dark, a dark place. And, um, I had, you know, I'd been looking at these maps and remember these, you know, Peyton and I would be coming and, and Jen, we'd be coming back from these track meets in Myrtle beach. And, um, we would get to the border, the Santee river and Peyton comes up. He's like, wouldn't it be cool if you ran, if you ran across, um, from here back to our house in Mount Pleasant. And I'm like, that would be cool. You know, and I'm thinking about, it, I'm like, that'd be a 50 K. And then, you know, the next time we're talking about what if you ran across Charleston, And then we're like, wait, we could actually make that a hundred miles. And um, so at one point he was like, you could do push-ups every mile, <coughs> which I didn't do. And, um, but 2013, I just decided, you know, I told my wife, you know, I said, I'm going to just run. I need to go run. I need to go run and um, clear my head. And I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. So, My father-in-law met me and we ran across, you know, about 30 miles on the first day, 31 miles. I wanted it to be a 50 K and I finished at Peyton's track. So from Santee river to Peyton's track at, in park West. And then from park West, the next day I woke up and I started from park West, went over the bridge and finished somewhere in West Ashley. And then from there, then, then the last day I ran, to the end to the Edisto river and, um, ended up being around 90 something miles. And, um, and it just, it got me through those, through the holidays, just got me through them. And, um, and that's what I needed at that time. And, um, so I ended up running Vol state and Karen Jackson was, you know, my, the one who talked me into that And, uh, but that's a journey run. That's a journey run. And I'm going to, I'll get back to your question about the crude and, or not crude and all that kind of stuff and aid. So I loved that experience. I loved being on the road. I loved, you know, the whole journey of it. And, um, and I was pretty proud that I had finished, you know, that the vault had finished Vol state. Well, one of my stupid events where we're, we're running around the track is just 12 hours around the track. Karen is there, of course, her and Bo and Karen and I are talking and we're, and she's like, you know, wouldn't it be cool if you, uh, you let other people do that, you know, race across Charleston, the route that you had. And one thing after another, and all of a sudden I'm mapping it out. I've come up with this hundred mile course And then my friend, um, Nathan Dewey, he, he need, he was on nine one hundreds. He needed a, he needed his 10th and he didn't want to do a hundred if he wasn't going to get a buckle. So I came up and designed a buckle 
that we could buy. And um, and he, everybody could just buy their own buckle. And I was like, I'm not buying your buckle and I don't want a race entry. So you can get your own buckle if you want. And everybody did. And um, so that year, like 19 of us started that race and nine of us finished. And um, so, you know, it depends on what you want out of something like this, because there are people that are, you know, that they want a time or they want um, a, a, a something that they accomplish because it's they've been training for it or they've been working towards this. And I love that there's that ability. Um, and then there's people that they are scared of doing something so big. And here's their opportunity to do something that they may fail at. There's no guarantee in a hundred. And I don't care who you are. And um, so there's that opportunity. And then there's people that they just want this time, this journey run. Um, and they don't need anybody. They just pack up their pack. They have their credit card and their phone number or their, their cell phone. And, um, and they just start going and they stop at gas stations. They stop at stores. They stop at bars, um, <laughs> restaurants, wall, uh, waffle house, whatever it is, they're stopping wherever they need to, but there it's this journey and, um, they don't need a big aid station, but you know, if somebody comes up like a road angel or somebody pops up a aid station, they love it because it's just like this. Um, it's just this easy way of showing love for somebody else. Some total stranger, usually, you know, I mean, when I was doing Ball State, people would just stop and give me a popsicle because it was July in Tennessee and um, or a bottle of water. It was just amazing. And I thought about those people for hours. And um, that's what I think about with uh, with the road angels and the people that pop up aid stations. So, you know. You, you, if you want an incredible time, you need a crew. Um, if you are not somebody that can run through the night by yourself when it gets cold and you need reading glasses to look at your, um, your, your directions, a crew is, is really beneficial, but it's not, you don't have to. You don't have to have, there's, there is, there are enough places along the way in Charleston um, that you can take a break, get something to eat, even get warm if you had to. Going back to the road angels, is that something you see a lot of for Charleston 100? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, and each year is different. Some years I've seen people have huge aid stations set up. Other times I've seen just tables, you know, put out with really, you know, with nice stuff. Um, I've seen people order pizzas um, and leave them out there like 20 pizzas and just leave them out there for the runners with the big sign that says Charleston 100. And, um, you know, so and then there's always the other people that have crews. They're always helping the other people. 
It never fails. I watch it all the time. And um, somebody's always asking somebody if they need something or if they, can I help you with this or whatever? And um, that's a, that's pretty cool. The race for 2024 is almost an entire year away, yet it's sold out already. And it's yeah. sold out. you probably know the exact number of minutes. I noticed, I think it was within an hour at least that it sold out. Um, yeah. Do you know the exact number of minutes, how long it took to sell out? 37 minutes. Um, <laughs> 37 minutes. It was sold out. Somehow one extra person popped in. And then I, I got, you know... 30 people on the wait list within minutes of, of that 30, you know, within the hour actually. And, um, I, I got soft and, um, I just sent out invites to like 30 people and let them all in. And, um, so, but there's already 10 more people on the wait list. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> I just, I think I have a lot of crazy, crazy friends. Um, there's a lot of people that, um, you know, they see the race fee is a dollar. Um, Which is a, awesome. <laughs> what's that? Which is awesome, I said. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was, it's supposed to be completely free. But here's the glitch. You can't have a wait list if you don't charge something. And the minimum I think you can charge is a dollar on ultra sign up. So, because what happens is if you start a wait list and it's zero, then they automatically get in. And uh, I learned that the hard way. And uh, so it's a dollar donation to the Peyton Johnson Moore Fund, um, goes directly to that fund. I never touch money from this thing. Um, in fact, this the Charleston 100 and the Charleston 50 cost my wife and I about three grand a year. Um, and that's because we buy the hats um, that go to every, every person that is brave enough to walk up to the starting line. We give them a hat. Um, I have been a huge supporter of Boco gear um, for years because they helped us out with Peyton's race. And, um, and you get a hat there too. And um, so this was something I wanted to do. This is, um, I love that I get to give people, I give something to them. They didn't pay for it. And um, it's my gift to them when they walk up to the starting line. And I'll never change that. Um, I will never let somebody buy that um, because that is, that's why I do it. It's my gift. And, um, and it says run for pee. You can't, um, you can't take a selfie without getting run for pee in your, in your picture if you're wearing that hat. And, um, and then the other thing is we, um, you know, we, the buckle for the Charleston hundred, I do not make anybody buy, they don't have to buy a buckle. That's totally on them. I paid for the casting. I pay for the shipping. Um, and we don't order the buckles until October. That way, if you're going to drop out, you're going to drop out hopefully by then. And, um, and if you're really serious and you really want to buckle, you got to pay for it. But the caveat is that if you uh, don't finish um, or you don't show up, then I'm keeping that buckle. And I have a box of buckles. Um, I have no idea what I'm going to do with them. But one day, one day, 
I'm going to, there's going to be a year where I can, I'll have enough that nobody will have to pay for a buckle. And I'll just say, these are all donated buckles. And, um, so that's, that's the plan anyway. And, um, so that's what we've been doing. Was the 37 minute sellout thing, something that happened right off the bat or did it take a few years to get to that point? Um, the first time I did it, I knew I was going to do it under, I wasn't, I was only going to let 15 people do it. I ended up letting 19 and, um, that was kind of just invitations. We sent it out and then a couple of people joined us. And then, um, after that, you know, word got out and the very next year, I think I opened it up to 50 people and, um, Good Lord. I mean, it was minutes. And, um, so, you know, I knew that was, we were, we were definitely on to something. And then the, uh, the next year, same thing. And then, um, COVID hit and, um, I was like, God, you know, what are we going to, you know, are we even going to do this? And I'm like, you know what, we're outside, we're in the middle of nobody's, you know, on top of each other. So what I did though, was I, had staggered starting times. Um, if you're going to do it over 30 hours, you started at 6 a.m. If you're going to do it over or under 30 hours, you started at 9 a.m. And I think I even that year I did a noon start and uh, which was cool because it's an out and back. So you t constantly see people not so easy for somebody that's timing it because you're trying to figure out, are they first? Are they last? You know, where do they show up? And um, so this next, this 2024, we're going back to a 6 a.m. start for everybody because I want to know where people are. And I saw some people in the group kind of giving you crap over that as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'll completely ignore it. <laughs> I mean, I, I love it. In fact, in the registration, you probably saw this, but there's a there's something in the when you sign up, it says, is there anything you really want to say to Noah? And you can click yes, but it doesn't go anywhere. It just stops <laughs> and you, can, you can't add anything to it. I love it. I love it. I love your your race director philosophy. I love everything about how you do this. This is just so awesome. Um, do you envision yourself directing any more races in the future in addition to the three that you do currently? We're, we are, we're, we're talking about another like a fall and you are the first person i have said this to publicly all right um, we're breaking some news <laughs> on the carolina ultra runners podcast i love it there you go I, we jen and i finally had have discussed um putting on a fall um peyton's wild and wacky and uh, because that race you know that one is between you know right around 700 six to seven hundred runners oh. and um and it sells out in an hour. Literally, I mean, it really does sell out an hour. And it blows my mind every year. And that's why we're able to order the things that we do and, and make the donations that we make. And, um, and you know, it's, it's cool. I mean, we have so many things that are, that are donated to us. So w our thought is that we'll do one in the, we'll put one together in the fall. Um, but we just got a, a, you know, a national sponsor in, uh, for Peyton's wild and wacky, the one in March, um, ultra running is our national sponsor now. 
And, um, and they went full in. I mean, they are going to be everywhere at our race and um, which is, you know, so crazy and baffling and, and beautiful. And, you know, I, you know, Peyton would have thought all of this was wild. He would have loved it. He would have just been so into it. And um, I do everything that Jen and I do. We put him in it. And, um, and I think that's why people are drawn to it. Um, I, I, I think so. I think, you know, somebody had told me, a race director had told me that, you know, just be prepared for your numbers to fall off. Once people, they, they, they tend to, you know, want to do it for the cause at first, but then they want to do it for what's in it for them, the swag, the, you know, the course, whatever. And that just hasn't been the case for our race, for Peyton's race. And then for the Charleston, for the hundred and the itty bitty, um, 50, it's just, those have just been a draw because I think people see the, um, I think the draw is the, the community and the love and the fun and the craziness that goes along with it, along with this challenge that is at sometimes, you know, seems unsurmountable, but you know, like you just, there's no way I can finish this, but yeah, you can. Um, if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And um, honestly, that's what Jen and I do. So um, do will we, you know, will there be other races? I don't know. I mean, I have a full-time job. I mean, I'm a realtor in Charleston and I'm busy one. <laughs> so I, um, I, I've been, I've been very blessed in the fact that, you know, my business does really well. And, um, but it gives me the flexibility to be able to do the things that I do. And, um, and my clients understand, I send out an email and I said, I'm not going to answer emails, phone calls or anything during this time. And they totally get it. And, um, so I, I think that's, you know, I live my life the same way I put on races. Um, you know, I, I put everything into it and, um, and, and I share, every bit of my emotions, whatever they may be. And I think that's a big reason why a lot of people really love you, Noah, for real. Um, I wanted to talk about another thing. Actually, it's it's really the story of how I found out about who you were in the first place. So I love to just kind of troll through Ultra Sign Up, just look for different races. And then, you know, I get sucked down the rabbit hole. I'm looking at this <laughs> and then I'm looking at this race and I've never heard of this race. Who's this person? And then, you know, I'm doing this every day and I feel like I know these people who I've never actually met because I see their names on Ultra Sign Up all the time. And I saw your name on a lot of races in the area and Miles's name on a lot of races in the area. I see, you know, M6, a six-year-old male running <laughs> eight miles at a 24-hour race. Tell me about how you get him to do that. <laughs> yeah. So we uh, signed Miles up for his first, um, I think his first ultra was farm days when he was two. And he ran two miles. Um, you know, we signed him up for the 24-hour, you know, race. We, I always sign him up for the 24. And... Um, 
and he's actually done 17 miles at that one uh one year and um uh, but we just thought it was so cool he has his own you know email address and everything that's hooked up to it and um you know one day he's gonna look back at this and just you know to think how crazy are my parents that I already have, I don't know, like 16 results or whatever. And I'm, you know, this age, but he loves like farm days is, is something that is near and dear to us. We go to that every year. Um, we camp out there and miles is a big part of it. Um, you know, the only thing he doesn't quite understand yet is what a beer mile is. Um, <laughs> And I'm going to, I'm going to try to keep it that way for a little bit, but, um, he just loves it out there and he loves like repeat retreat, um, all the, the different races, the time races. And when he, so his birthday was October 7th and he turned eight and, um, we were looking at races and we saw, you know, there was a couple of different ones and we're like, Oh my God, the, um, the, uh, the, um, uh, um, Jacob Moss's, um, race midnight jury was on that day and it was a 24 hour race. So we actually, that we did sign up for the six hour on that. Cause he said, daddy, I want to, I want to run eight miles on my eighth birthday because that's completely normal. Right. <laughs> I mean, that is, you know, who says that? And, uh, so we just went out there with all our friends, you know, there's Karen Jackson, Bo and all these other people, And, um, and Chris Varnado and all these guys, we're here, we are lining up on the, the track with all of them and, um, running our, you know, eight miles on the track and, um, he eats that stuff up. And, uh, I love that you saw it on ultra sign up though. I, I love that. It, Cause I, I, the first time it showed up, we just, you know, I just was so happy and, um, just thought it was so cool. Yeah, I was just, I was kind of taken aback. I'm like, who is this six-year-old running races out here, signing up for 24-hour races? What the heck is going on? Yeah, he's got big goals for farm days this year. So, oh, yeah, um, yeah, he's 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 coming for it. Um, we're we'll be there for the full thing, and he is he's ready to go. He's been he was running cross country this past season and second year of cross country, and he's he's ready to move. Awesome. I love hearing that. And I love the shout out to Farm Days as well. That is a fantastic race. Um, I haven't run it myself, but I crewed my friend Brandon Johnston there um, yeah. last year in 2023. And he got second place, 113 miles. It was a fantastic event, just so well put on. And uh, the support there is amazing. The music, just everything about it is just absolutely world class. Love that race. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, Noah, this has been really fun talking with you. Thank you so much for your time and um, best of luck with your future endeavors. I know you've got uh, Peyton's Wild and Wacky coming up here in a couple months and uh, yeah, best of luck going forward. All right, Patrick. Well, great talking to you and um, good luck with the podcast, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to more of these. Awesome. Thanks so much, Noah. Really appreciate it. All right. Have a great one. Cool. You too.